Welcome to episode 73 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man known at our local church as the Deacon of Coffee, mm. John Scott Sloat. Doc, what's happening? Well, I am embracing the summer mode that we have entered into. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. it it's lovely. It I, is. I love pulling into campus and there are just no cars. <laughs> I mean, we love our students. Absolutely. We just we also love it when they leave. Yeah, you know, sure, we, sure. There's, there's a both and there. Yeah, yeah. It's also nice to be able to come into the office in some shorts and a short sleeve shirt. And at least I can. I, I, I don't know what your dress code know. rules I, are. I, I think it's pretty casual. I, I think it's just dress. I mean, like, t- like have clothes. That's I mean, technically, I'm not even under contract right now. Mm-hmm. So you're just you just happen to be gracing us with your presence. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm dedicated to the show. Mm-hmm. Dedicated to the show. If you'd like to show some dedication to the show, you Ooh, can connect with us that was nice. on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page, so you can give that a like and a follow, Various and Sundry Podcast. You can find us on YouTube. And uh, we do have uh, a couple of video episodes up there. Yeah. And uh, as well as all of our audio episodes. And we would love for you on whatever platform you access the show to leave us a review and, of course, a five-star rating. So, by the way, did you know uh, – I, I think I think we've discussed this, but my, my Facebook got hacked. Did you – You mentioned this to me. Have you recovered it? No, no. And <laughs> since it's been hacked, when I try to update through like our podcasting host, uh-huh. try to update our Facebook page, it won't update. Really? Yes. So we're 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 gonna have to troubleshoot that bad boy here okay. in the future. All right. That that could be a problem. We'll we'll have to figure that out. We'll we'll get our massive uh, IT staff on, yeah, totally. on that for the for the program here. So, well, John, we have breaking news on the podcast here. Okay. What do we got going on? So last summer we chose a book mm-hmm. that we incrementally read through as a podcast. We took. Uh, four weeks last summer where we worked our way through the book Gentle and Lowly. Over the course of a month or so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so four episodes in a row where we took – so the first three episodes, we probably took what? Like 10 minutes to discuss whatever chunk we had read for that week. Yeah. And then the fourth week, we interviewed Dane Ortland, the author, for the episode. And I, I'll just say I feel like we were – on the front end of the gentle and lowly uh, bandwagon there. Like yeah. it was just starting to get – like when we decided to do that, to pick that book, uh, it just start was just starting to take off. And actually we were in into problems. You remember this? Where oh, yeah. Listeners yeah, I was could just not thinking about acquire this. the book because it was just selling like hotcakes. Yeah, Dave in Ohio shot us a message and was just like, dude, this is like a $100 book on <laughs> – on Amazon. God bless capitalism. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, like the week we announced it, um, it, it sold out on yeah. Uh, yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, the cause and effect relationship there is still a little murky to me. I, I think we might have been at least partially responsible. Yeah, for, I'm an optimist. We're yeah. responsible. Yeah. yeah. So in any case, we are ready to announce this summer's book that we are reading on the podcast. And that book is entitled – Jesus, the Great Philosopher, Rediscovering the Wisdom Needed for the Good Life 
by Jonathan Pennington. Yeah. So, yeah. John, why did we pick this book? Um, well, it, it's aimed I, – I think it, I think it's accessible to all people first of all. Yep. It's a topic that both of you – both of us are, are knowledgeable in, you know, ish. Um, <laughs> And and uh, it's it's not super long, and I, I think it's something that you and I would be able to read, discuss, and have our listeners join in with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, one of the things I'd want to stress: some of you, when you heard the title, might be like, "Oh, I'm not into philosophy. Like, I, I don't want to exist, debate the existence of the chair if I leave the room." Kind of <laughs> philosophy stuff. But this is not that kind of book. Yeah, and. Uh, and Pennington's a very good writer. It is chock full of pop culture references where he's sort of anchoring and, and illustrating points and that sort of stuff. So uh, Pennington is a professor at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. They're Kentucky. very good, very good, very yeah, good. Yeah. Nice pronunciation there. And um, uh, I think I've told you this story. We met in class at Trinity. Yes. We were both students together at Trinity for our MDiv. He was I, in his last year when I was in my first year. Okay. But do you remember what class we had together where we met? Was it was it um, Don Carson Advanced Greek Exegesis? Advanced Greek Grammar. Yes. Advanced Greek good. Grammar. Yes. So we actually sat next to each other, I believe, for much of that much of that semester, and uh, so good experience. We've kept in touch uh, throughout our various uh, career paths. Various and sundry career. There paths. you go. Him yeah. going off to. Uh, Aberdeen, I think he did his PhD at, if I remember. It was, right. some, it was somewhere in Europe, yeah. Oh no, St Andrews. Okay. St Andrews. And so, in any case, uh, and we have already locked him in for an interview, which we didn't do with Dane last year. We didn't think that far ahead. No, yeah, we kind of rolled the dice on that one. Yeah, yeah. So a little, a little better planning on our part this year. So, so yes, Jesus, the great philosopher. We'll have a uh, a link in the show notes. To uh, to find it on Amazon, yeah. and we do get kickbacks from that. So please follow that link. Purchase yeah. the book through that link. Buy Absolutely. one for yourself. Buy one for every family member. Mm-hmm. Buy one for everyone in your church. For all we care. Yeah, but, um, Christmas presents. Yeah, they're wonderful. Absolutely. So that is our big breaking news. Let's move on to the uh, to what's going on in the world of sports. So NBA playoffs. We. Uh, we got through the play-in tournament, I yep. guess we're calling that now. LeBron hit a pretty excellent shot. That seemed to be the big headline of the of the play-in is LeBron hit a shot against the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Hit a shot to win the game uh, against the Warriors and, uh, you know, sort of almost a Steph Curry kind of shot in the sense of it was a long – well past the three-point line, late shot clock. Sort of a fadeaway step back. Steph Curry was actually sort of defending him. And uh, so, yeah, he got the Lakers in. The Grizzlies also made it in through the play-in tournament in the West as the eighth seed. And then in the East, the Celtics and the Wizards made it into the playoffs. So let's talk a little first-round action. So we've every series has played one game. So it's early. Yeah. So we're recording on Monday morning this week. So uh, tell us about your Knicks. Um, Well, they they got beat. Uh, Madison Square Garden, first of all, was a lot of fun. It was really nice to see fans. And that they – was it 50 percent that they allowed capacity? I think so, yeah. But they were loud. 
It, it, it made a difference. It was the first time I've watched a basketball game in a long time where it's like you can really hear the like the real fans, not the the you know fake crowd noise that they kind of put in the background. But they made a difference in that game. They they gave um, they gave the Knicks a little bit of an advantage. They just couldn't cash in on it. Um, one reflection I had coming out of that game is uh, Spike Lee uh, looks pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I you know when when the Knicks are as bad as they were, you you don't watch for maybe since 2013. Like you know the games, check and scores, those sorts of things. But Spike Lee's aged; he looked old. Indeed, the it seemed to me like the Knicks. Randall didn't have a great game; he no, struggled. He did, and yet you know the Knicks were still in it. Derrick Rose hit a shot mm-hmm. to um, to tie the game. Um, with uh, like nine seconds left, yeah, and then uh, Trey Young hit yeah. a shot to win it for the for the Hawks with like a second left. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, good competitive game, um, and of course, seven game series. It's a long series, long yeah. way to go, long way to go. But uh, that that reveals a bit of a trend in that in these um, series. You have the uh, the lower seed winning games. Mm-hmm. So the technically the Hawks are the five. So they 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 won game one against the Knicks. The Mavericks beat the Clippers in game one of their series. Yeah, that's a six over a three. The Grizzlies last night beat the Jazz. That's the eight over the one. Hmm. And then um, Portland beat. Um, Denver on uh, on Saturday to go up one nothing and that and Portland is the Portland's the five or the six no, that'd be the five they're they're the five the five over the four so again a five over a four it doesn't feel as much like, no but no. when you've got an eight beating a one that, that that's feels a big like, deal yeah oh. um, my son Jake is on record even before they won last night as saying the Grizzlies are going to beat the Jazz in the first round so. Wow, that's bold. It is bold. He he bases that on the fact that uh, the Jazz don't have Donovan Mitchell, mm. and so we'll see. Uh, I'm not sold uh, on that. The other big news on the NBA playoff front was Chris Paul getting injured. Did you see this? I did not. I did not see this. So this would have been uh, yesterday, Sunday against the Lakers. Suns went on to win the game. But I think it was, I think it was the third quarter. I can't remember when in the game it happened. But uh, Chris Paul went down with a shoulder injury, hmm. his right shoulder, if I remember correctly. And um, he did come back into the game, but he wasn't the same. Like you could tell, he was having a hard time handling the ball, even and that sort of thing. So the Suns did hang on to win that game, but that that that's a pretty significant. Injury in that series, so it'll be interesting to keep our eyes on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what some rest does for him. Does that heal up? Does it tighten up? Like what? What happens with that shoulder? Yeah, we'll see. Anything else on NBA playoffs for everyone? I, I don't think so. Um, yeah. yeah, excited to see more games and see where we're at next week. I mean, we should, in theory, yeah, we should still be in these series. I would think so, unless there's a sweep. Even with a sweep, though, if they're doing every other day. Well, I don't think the Knicks are playing. Oh, they're doing. They're playing Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember. Probably Tuesday. Yeah. They typically only would give one game in between 
or one day between games if they're not changing locations. If sure. you change locations, sometimes, sometimes they give you two. Yeah. But um, maybe the biggest sports news over the weekend, don't you think, is Phil Mickelson at age 50 winning the PGA Championship. Yes. Um, actually, it's running the headline on ESPN this morning over all these playoff games that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I – I'll confess I didn't watch any of it. I, I kind of kept tabs on the leaderboard once I saw he was leading through 36 holes. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that's that's something worth paying attention to. And um, you know, so he did it at age 50. I'm 47, so I take this to mean that I still have three years to to prepare for the PGA, PGA Tour Champions. and be yeah. competitive. Yep, so, yep, that's exactly what that means. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that's the message there. But uh, he became the oldest uh, oldest winner of a major championship. Hmm. Do you remember? Do you know whose whose record he eclipsed? Um, was it? It wasn't. Was it Jack Nicholas? Yep. Okay. okay. At age forty six, he won the Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I saw a graphic uh, that had him on it, and then like the last guy that was a little bit younger, won it like, I think it was like 45, 44, something like that, um, in like the 1800s. <laughs> yeah. And the picture was just stellar. Yeah. Uh, it was just this old, old, you know, this this very old-timey man sitting yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, this would have been a little while ago, but like Tom Watson was in major contention at the British Open like, yeah. this, like five or six years ago. And he, he didn't end up winning. But if he would have, that he he was in his fifties at that point, so that would have. Uh, but still, he had a stretch in his fifties that he played really, really well. I mean, golf is is really the only sport mm-hmm. that you have that dynamic where a guy who is in his you know late forties, even early fifties, can be competitive at the absolute highest level. So I used to be in a golf league uh, when I was an intern in, in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, with guys at my church, every Thursday evening, a group of us would go out and play. And um, there'd be all these younger guys. I, I, you know, I was, I think, 22 at the time. Uh, and we used to get up there with these fat drivers and just try to hit it as far as we And it'd go everywhere, right? right? There would be this one guy in his 60s who won basically every week who'd go up there with this not wooden driver, but like <laughs> like very, very old steel driver yeah. and just put 200, 200 yards down the middle of the fairway every time. It didn't seem like he was swinging with like a lot of force or anything. Yeah. And he just always won because he was, he was just that consistent. Actually, yeah. You know, playing fairway, fairway, yeah. green, two putt. There's your bogey. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that's what he was doing every, every single week. Yeah. He would win. Old man golf. So let's talk uh, about the Mets. What's yeah. going on in baseball? I don't, I'm not. Uh, this is the time of year where I don't follow what's going on in baseball. So, so I can't remember if last week this is ha- this had happened yet. Did we talk on pod about the guy getting hit in the face with the ball? Did you see this? I I did see it. I don't think we talked about it on the pod. No, it wasn't last week where we had the discussion about the about the rodent in the in the oh the raccoon yes yes the rat <laughs> raccoon uh, situation. I don't think we talked about the guy getting hit in the face. Did you the, did you see it on social media? I think I did see a clip of it. Yeah. So he took a ninety-four mile an hour faceball, or <laughs> gosh, <laughs> it was a faceball, <laughs> uh, fastball to the face, uh, and uh, and I mean, just immediately blood is pouring from his face. Uh, 
He broke several bones in his face uh, and then was in the dugout the next game with just a swollen face, text the opposing manager, if I could see out of my right eye, I'd be in the lineup today. You know, you know, sort of <laughs> sort of stuff. And I mean, yeah. it, it's just kind of come out. He's come and become like a myth in Mets lore of just like, of course. oh my gosh, he's just a really, really tough guy. And yeah. so he's had yeah. facial reconstruction surgery. <sighs> And he's res- resuming baseball activities, throwing basically on mon- uh, today, Monday. Yeah. How long do you think it'll be before? I know this has started at lower levels where they've put like the face, almost like a face mask, like on the helmets to help protect batters. It's it's at the lower levels, like we're talking like little league and maybe even into high school. Yeah. I, I don't know how much I've seen it above that, but I just wonder how long it'll be before. That happens. Like, is this going to be like in like, like for years in hockey, guys wouldn't wear you know the the face yeah. shields because you know they're tough and you know like you know. And then finally, cooler heads prevailed of like, yeah, but why why do you want to take a fa- uh, puck in the face? How does that prove that you're <laughs> tough? Like, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Um, I think I think there are other things that could happen. Um, there's talk of moving the mound back a little bit. Uh, there's talk of um, there's talk about about that as well, but but some of the there could be some things that change because the pitchers are getting uh, they're throwing the ball harder and harder and harder, right? Um, but they're getting more wild. They don't have the control in place, um, and so this is happening a ton. I mean, Kevin Pillar, who got hit in the face, goes uh, said, um, "Well, I got a text from all the guys who have been hit in the face by baseballs. You know, we have a group chat that I've been <laughs> able to join now." Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think they're they're exploring some things. I don't know if it'll come to that because you gotta you gotta be able to see that baseball pretty clearly, you know. Right, but but I mean the the, the face guards or face masks that you have at lower levels have a bar that comes across that doesn't cover the eye. Hmm. So it, it's it just needs to be you just need to reduce the gap enough so that a baseball can't really yeah. get. Th- through. So it doesn't have to be like a, a full shield or face mask per se. It just has to be – the opening can be small enough that a baseball can't really get, get through. through it. It'll be interesting to see what that does to batting averages if, if they yeah, do something like that. I'm sure there will be a ton of analytics on it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any sport that's beholden to analytics, it's baseball. Oh, yeah. Though basketball is not far behind it. I haven't found a good basketball analytics website. Do you know? Do you know of one? I don't have one off the top of my head. No. Okay. Okay. I love baseball savant. Like I'll go on there and follow games, see who has hard hit balls, and mm-hmm. those sorts of things in a game. Gotcha. I find that a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. Speaking of things that are a lot of fun, we're going to talk today about travel and travel hacks. I, I feel like this has sort of been kind of on our radar. From the early days of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, because and, because we love to travel. Yeah, and so um, then, of course, once COVID hits, nobody's traveling. Mm-hmm. And now that we're starting to emerge from uh, restrictions and such like that, it seems like an appropriate time to, to talk a little travel yeah, on yeah. the episode. First lesson, don't question the government of Belarus, you know. Yes. That that seems to be top of the list today. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to fill in our listeners who may not have caught that news story? Um, <laughs> uh, 
Maybe I'll just, we've been talking sports for a long time. Maybe I'll just say Google it. Um, but basically the, the president's dictator, I don't know what to call him, uh, diverted a plane because he had an opposition journalist on it and, and yes. arrested him on, you know, in yes. his airspace. Ordered a commercial airliner down. And put, a, I think, a Russian MiG next to it uh, in order to, to uh, get it to Minsk. Yeah. So. Yeah. What a world we live in. So let's – so, John, why do you like to travel? Um, I enjoy – well, part of it is I, I enjoy visiting cities. Uh, we live in the Midwest, uh, particularly not, not a big city in the Midwest. So uh, getting the opportunity to visit cities and see just the culture that's happening, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the artistry, whether it's street art or somebody making delicious food or coffee – um, I always enjoy uh, that and just getting to walk around. And I always – I think I get a look of wonder on my face a little bit when I'm walking through some of those cities. So uh, any opportunity I get to go to a major city, uh, spend time there, see the people, see how they live, that's that's always an exciting time for me. How, yeah. about, how about yourself? Yeah, similar. Um, I enjoy people watching. Mm-hmm. You know, So um, just seeing people going about their – their daily lives in the city in particular. I mean, yeah. um, and I, I, I just, I enjoy seeing the, the diversity and the breadth of God's creation. Mm-hmm. So whether you're in the city and you're seeing, you know, just the fact that human beings have been given the ability and knowledge to be able to create these massive structures and the, the all that comes with a, a big city, as well as, you know, going out west and seeing the mountains and, you know, seeing the ocean and, and just seeing what God has made and mm-hmm. being uh, in awe of the fact that, you know, the God of the universe that made all of this has the power to make all of that has entered into a covenant relationship with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I remember the first time seeing the ocean and just, you know, you feel your smallness. You feel just – you know, especially you start to put together, okay, this is the Atlantic Ocean. I'm looking east and for literally thousands of miles, there's just nothing but water. Yeah. And you feel very small. Mm-hmm. But uh, – so yeah, I enjoy both dynamics of that when it comes to uh, seeing God's creation as well as human creativity. In yeah. That. So um, – Let's talk a little bit about maybe some of our favorite trips. So should we break down trips that we've done? I mean, we've done the mystery trip. Do you want to take just two seconds and explain what that is a little bit? And that'll fill in, I I imagine, some favorite trips of ours. Sure. So I don't want to presume that our mystery trips are your favorite trips, but. Yeah. Yeah. They'll make the list. Okay. Um, So the basic concept of the mystery trip is – we uh, and this is we this is organized through uh, Grace College here, and we uh, we advertise this trip because students are required to do a cross cultural experience as part of their uh, education here, and so we we advertise this this trip as a as mystery as a mystery trip because we don't tell students where we're going in advance, mm-hmm. and we. Only tell them progressively as we are about to travel to each new location. So we pick typically three 
maybe four locations depending on the circumstances. And students don't know where we're going until literally we get to the airport. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay. And then we reveal the first location. We give each student an envelope that's got a sort of iconic picture of something in that location. So for example, in, in uh, when we revealed Sydney, Australia, we had the famous Sydney Opera House. That's sort of an iconic sure. picture of that. And then we traveled to each – travel to the first location, spend a few days there. Then we reveal the next location. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to, to see different parts of the world and fun to watch students' reactions as they find out where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a joy. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done two of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of my favorite locations out of those trips. Uh, prob- we, did, we did Sydney, Australia, and Sydney was beautiful. Any reflections from Sydney? Uh, good fish and chips. Yes. And a great uh, – it's a great city. We rented bikes. Yes, that was a lot of fun. And biked all around the city. And they have bike lanes in their streets in downtown Sydney. And so going along the harbor and – that was just uh, a lot of fun. Good fish and chips. Um, yeah, that's those are some of my memories from Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So Sydney was a favorite of mine. Christchurch, New Zealand was another yeah. favorite. Um, Helsinki, uh, Finland, not the same trip, different trip. Yep. Um, was a was a wonderful, wonderful city. More coffee per capita is consumed in <laughs> Finland than any other country in the world. Indeed. Uh, so my kind of people. Yeah. Um, and pastries. They're and big pastries. on the pastries too. They're big on the pastries. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think those are some of my favorite locations from Sydney. Anything – or from Sydney, from the mystery trip. Any any that you'd add? I would add London. OK. I enjoyed London. It's a very expensive city, but I really enjoyed London a lot. Um, other cities that we've uh, been to on the mystery trip, we've been to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And we also uh, went to Reykjavik, Iceland. Yes, yes. I think that covers all of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those certainly rank up there. Um, I, bo- both of those mystery trips were great. I really enjoyed them. Um, I think one of my favorite trips, I think it will be hard to top this. If you, if you said you have to pick one, I think I'd go with our first Israel trip. Yeah. That was in 2011. The first time I'd been there, I was co-leading it with uh, Dr. Ratza, our Old Testament prof here. And my wife was with us. You were on that trip. I was. And we just had this amazing collection of people, favorite students and, and that sort of thing that combined with you know seeing Israel for the first time – made it uh, stay a very memorable experience. So the people the people on that trip were amazing. I, I think my beef with Israel trips in general is the on the bus, off the bus, mm-hmm. site, 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 you know, sort of stuff. And there's no freedom to like, oh, let's go explore the streets or let's let's go mm-hmm. to this part of town or you know, you know. I, I think that was There can be a it, little of that. Very little. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Especially when we're in Jerusalem, we get we, we there can be some opportunities yeah. to kind of explore a little bit. Mm-hmm. Though one of the challenges with that is that there might be some areas of Jerusalem that sure. you need yeah. to avoid, kind yeah. of thing. Like 
So in any case. Um, Maybe Tel Aviv is a better city for that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Rockets are also being, were being fired at Tel Aviv. So. Okay. <laughs> but um, so let's, let's talk some, some, uh, some travel hacks, just some things you've picked up along the way that you have found to be helpful. And I think on my list, many of these are more oriented towards the um, international side of things, but some can apply to you know domestic travel. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, who, do you do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Why don't you go ahead and start? Okay. Um, Anytime I go to a city, the first thing that gets struck from the list of things I'm not going to do are the tourist locations. Uh, so like when we went to London, the Tower of London, th- those sorts of things I, I just sort of take off. They tend to be really expensive. They tend to be overcrowded and they tend to be um, not uh, – probably not the best picture of what living in this city would be like. So I want right. to see those things from a distance certainly. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see Big Ben. I want to see Tower of London. I want to see – fill-in-the-blank tourist location. Uh, but I also just sort of want to see it and go, okay, and go, go to a different part of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, that's So usually the first thing I say is avoid tourist locations. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would as sweepingly and categorically say it that way. I, I would say probably just be discerning. Mm-hmm. And and here's where I think if you can find some – if you if you can get some local knowledge, this mm-hmm. is – key in just about anywhere you go, whether it's domestic or international. You know, being in contact with someone who lives in the area sure. and can kind of sort out like, yeah, that's touristy, but it's still probably worth it. Mm-hmm. That one, that's a waste of time. It's overpriced. And actually, you know, especially th- there can be, you know, for some of these where it's like, oh, they'll, they'll sell a, an attraction as this gives you a great view of the city. And local knowledge might be like you can get just as good a view of the city from this other place that's not as well known yep. and um, not pay $40 to go in. So, so I know of this in uh, in New York City. Um, everybody talks about you got to go to the top of the Empire State Building. Got to go to the top of the Empire State Building. I think you get a much better view of the city if you go to the top of 30 Rock. Yeah. If you go to the top of that building, you get once one side you look out over central park the other side you see the empire state building the chrysler building you can see the statue of liberty from up there i mean you can see all the way down the island it's it's mm-hmm. uh, quite stunning particularly at night i'd recommend uh top of the rock is what they call it okay gotcha yeah so um I, i'm going to switch gears just slightly and uh and 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 talk a little bit about um that's uh, guess related, I guess. Um, take the opportunity, and again, this is probably a little bit more applicable to cities than it is to other contexts. Mm-hmm. Though you can do it in other ways too. Um, try to at least devote some of the time you're in a location to an area where you can just kind of immerse yourself a little bit in the local culture. Hmm. Whether that's a coffee shop, maybe it's in a park. Just there, there are there are places where you can go to just sort of observe, have a cup of coffee, um, and get away from some of the touristy stuff that you're talking about, and get a little bit better feel of even what is life like here yeah. in this location. Uh, we did that in Hell uh, Helsinki, if you remember. Um, we went yeah. to I think the same coffee shop every day, and it was NBA playoffs, and the guy 
in the coffee shop was, a, I believe, a Dallas Mavericks fan yeah. and wanted to talk Mavericks basketball with us <laughs> yes. every morning after after yep. their playoff game. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, also in Helsinki, I remember there was a guy walking behind us who had married an American, we learned later, and he was trying to hear our accent to hear where we were from in the United <laughs> States. And we struck up a conversation and he actually gave us the recommendation for that coffee shop that we eventually ended up at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee shops are a big deal for you for sure. Yes. Yes. I actually have a book that tells me excellent coffee shops around the world. Um, so I usually try to mark those off and then try to notate in there when I've when I've visited them. Um, another one I would add is – and I think mine are probably – as I'm looking at mine, mine are probably more geared toward cheap travel. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, – I always say eat in the local areas of town or the outskirts of the touristy areas. Um, I think you're going to find better food. I think you're going to find better deals uh, when, when you don't eat uh, at the city center. When you eat at these, when you eat at these big restaurants. Sometimes when you travel with a group, that's not realistic. Yeah. But uh, but if you move to the outskirts of town, you can you can find better deals and, and better food oftentimes. And that's where local knowledge is so helpful. Yeah. If you. Um, if you happen to know someone in the area, they can point you to like, yeah, that you know, that's sort of the you know the the well known Italian restaurant in town. But like, you know, the real stuff is you know six blocks away at this kind of hole in the wall mom and pop place that locals around here know about, but doesn't have the splashy website that attracts the tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which speaking of food, mm. um, I. And, and and this is something that for me is a, a bit of a stretch because my palate doesn't tend to be incredibly broad. But it is worth trying local cuisine. Mm, yes, it is. You know, even if you're not going to like it, or even if you think, eh, I don't think I'm going to like that. Now, I do have my limits. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> I, I I I'm not ready to necessarily try, say, some form of insect. You know. I think I'd probably draw the line there or, or snake of... eggs or something like that. I think it's – So I've done snake venom before. OK. Would, would you do snake venom? Probably not unless there is a – there's a, <clears throat> a cultural situation that would cause offense if I okay, didn't. OK. OK. Yeah, they uh, – no, where we go, it's not uh, – they, they have – so it's – you know how you like walk down an alley in a, in a city and there's shops on either side. It's sort of indoor, outdoor sort of feel. Yeah. This snake shop is in Taipei, Taiwan. Um, and uh, the whole outside of the shop is lined with like snake cages. And there's these big like – seem like 10 to 15 foot snakes that are just massive. Like you, like you would have to drop like – several mice in there to feed it or something like that. And and for like five bucks, they'll bring out uh, a sampler of different uh, snake-infused uh, drinks. That's uh, the snake soup, snake wine, snake bile, and snake venom. Yeah, that's a hard pass for me. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's they keep they they'll rub their arms and go. It's it's very good for the skin. It's very good for the skin. <laughs> of course. And I'm like okay. <laughs> and the person who took us there, her uh, it was like months before her wedding. She was going there weekly to get to drink this uh, snake fluids of some kind. What a world. Yeah. What a world. All right. What else you got, John? Um, to, to save money, I found that if you – now, you, again, you can't do this in a group. It has to be more probably on your own. 
But uh, reversing big meals, so eating your biggest meal at breakfast and your smallest meal at dinner, that saves you a little a little cash. Also, waiters and waitresses are more apt to talk to you at breakfast, and so you can get some recommendations from some local people that way. Yeah, I I also uh, recommend, especially on international trips, um, packing some some snack foods. That can help kind of carry you through maybe uh, skipping a meal or just like you know a cliff bar kind bar sort yeah. of situation yeah something like yeah that. absolutely something like that so the time's getting away from us here um, we may have to do a part two <laughs> I don't know about that so all right I, I I'm gonna we we'll have to be selective here on what we've got left but oh man um, unless you desperately want to do a part two no 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 I can okay. I can blitz through mine for sure. Okay, so um, I'm going to make a couple of quick recommendations. Um, I found it helpful having a standard packing list, yeah, so that I'm not wondering, did I forget this? Did I remember this? Like, I keep it in Evernote, so anytime I'm going somewhere, have it right up. Check, 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 check. Okay, good to go. Um, let's go rapid fire. So back to you. Okay, um, use public transit as much as possible. Uh, Google Maps is really helpful for that. Uh, another app is called City Mapper app. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Yep. Um, and uh, and see how far that public transit goes. I remember one time we took a bus in Reykjavik, Iceland, uh, as far as it would go, as far as our pass would take us, and we yeah. ended up hiking for the day. And it was wonderful, and it was it was very inexpensive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, more on the international front, um, tips for some for beating some jet lag. As soon as you get on that plane, get on the schedule of wherever you're landing. So if it's nighttime where you're about to land. Where you're going to land in like six hours, get to sleep right away. Mm-hmm. And when you get into town, don't fall into the temptation of taking the nap. Push through the day. Go to bed early in that evening. Get yourself on that cycle as yep. soon as possible. Yep. And use some melatonin if necessary to help. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I use a website for Europe called Savvy Backpacker. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all about – they'll give you city guides, how to do it affordably, those sorts of things, how much a hotel costs, how much food costs, those sorts of things. Savvy Backpacker. Yep. And also traveling internationally, uh, check into what your cell phone carrier, what their deal is. But oftentimes it's a better deal to buy a SIM card in country, in location. Yes, absolutely. And plug that right into your iPhone or whatever phone you've got. You can typically buy a, a card that gives you, you know, unlimited text, unlimited calls and data, which is an important piece. So you can use yeah. things like Google Maps and such like that. And often that's cheaper than using your carrier's international plan. Um, and then uh, and then finally, uh, my last one, uh, track flight prices. Uh, so plan out your trips ahead of time. Know where you want to go, and then uh, use websites like Scott Cheap Flight, Scott's Cheap Flights. He emails you when a when there's a cheap flight out there that you can go book right away. Um, really, really helpful. I, if you're going somewhere more specific at a certain date, Google Flight Tracker will help, or uh, an app called Hopper. Yeah. Uh, and I've saved oh goodness, probably two to three hundred dollars a flight by using some of those. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, it is episode 73, so we need to get ourselves an athlete. John, what do we got? Yeah, so uh, we have John Hanna. He was a guard for the Patriots. Do you remember him? Nope. Before your time. Nope. I was not born yet. Not to be confused with the uh, church history professor at Dallas Theological Seminary Uh named John Hanna, who's a good dude. 
Um, Larry Allen, he's an off. He what is was 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 he's still alive though? Uh, still old, alive, just not playing. <laughs> <laughs> I started saying was. I'm like, oh, he's probably not dead. Well, he's not playing anymore. So, anyway, Larry Allen, offensive tackle for the Cowboys 49ers. Do you remember him? Um, yes, I remember him a little bit. Okay. Um, Dennis Rodman played. F- <laughs> Well, he wore 73 when he played for the Lakers. I, yes. I do not remember this for at all. For one year when he played with the Lakers in 1999, he wore the number 73. Wow. Okay. Uh, and uh, who who do we have for OSU? We've got Rufus Mays. What a great name. Rufus. Uh, played tight end and offensive tackle yeah, from wow. 1966 to 1968. Was part of their national championship team and was drafted by the Bears. Nice. Who do you like? Um... Well, if I'm going on name recognition, I'm I'm choosing Dennis Rodman. Okay. You you don't like that pick. I, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Um, he, in some ways, is probably the most noteworthy athlete among that list. But he wore 73 for one year <laughs> at the very end of his career. Yeah. So that's what makes me hesitate. I, I'm I'm okay going. I, I think probably the most accomplished person is Larry Allen. I don't know. Um, let's just go with Dennis Rodman. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, we're 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 offensive line heavy in, in the seventies. We are. So getting an opportunity to go in non-offensive line, we are. Yeah, is is is, is good by me. Okay. One, All right. One thing we liked. Yeah. So uh, this weekend, I finished a book by uh, a guy, uh, scholar named Richard Belcher, Finding Favor in the Sight of God, A Theology of Wisdom Literature. It's in the New Studies in Biblical Theology series. That was an interesting read in terms of overview of the wisdom literature. So appreciate that. I, one of the things I love about the summer is I have way more time to read hmm. so I can start cranking through the, the kind of backlog of books that yeah. are uh, on, my, uh, on my stack of read these relatively soon. So – what about you? Um, a podcast I discovered over the weekend, uh, the Piketon Massacre. Uh, so it tracks. It's it's a fascinating podcast. Now it does have some gruesome detail, but but there's a family uh, that was killed uh, an hour south of Columbus. Yeah, I know where Piketon is. Yeah, and uh, in 2016, uh, I think eight adults were killed at four separate locations, all of the same family, all killed execution style. One had dollar bills strewn over his body. <laughs> okay, um, and they're trying wow. to figure out like basically who who done it. So uh, they've arrested people, but there's like some like, well, did they really do it? You know, but they're awaiting trial still. So okay, pretty interesting. So that's called the Piketon Massacre. Yeah. So it's a it's the, the podcast is just devoted to that story. Yeah, yeah. I'm in season one right now. They do have a season two that's out that's coming out right now, and I don't know what that touches, if it's a new one or if it's just giving updates on the on the gotcha. this case. All right. Well on that morbid thought, <laughs> we have uh we've we've done what we do on this show. Various and sundry topics, right? We've talked Jesus the philosopher, we've talked NBA playoffs. We've talked about my my future golf career in the next three years. That's right. We've talked travel hacks and we have discussed or at least mentioned Dennis Rodman. We move pretty quickly through. Yeah, he's an odd individual, um, which really does come out pretty well, I think, in the uh, the Last Dance 
docu-series that yeah. uh, <laughs> ESPN put out on the polls. And we, of course, talked about finding favor in the sight of God. And then John brought us down to the gruesome level of the Piketon Massacre pod. So I love true crime. I do too. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> so I think in light of that, um, all that is uh, – well, actually, before we do that, a reminder – Go out and buy your copy of Jesus the Great Philosopher and do it through our Amazon link in the yes. show notes so we can fill our pockets with filthy lucre. And and when are we starting reading that? The the episode that'll launch June 8th. Okay. Will okay. be the first week that we'll discuss and we'll discuss the first 3 chapters. Lovely. So that's about 50-ish pages, but it's it's really it's it's a good read. It's not a heavy read. It's you know, and 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 Jonathan's a good writer. Like I said, lots of uh, cultural references in there to, to to help you. It's not going into the deep dive details of what the Stoics thought and what the Epicureans thought and that sort of stuff. So much much more enjoyable than that. So I think now, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. All that is left for us to say is the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.